everybody. Welcome to another episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley. And today's big question, is Ashley believable? Ashley, your thoughts? Just believable? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it was supposed to be, is Ashley a believable expert? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty shady. Well, do you think you could be a believable expert, but not a believable person in your day-to-day -day life at the risk of getting too philosophical Ooh, too quickly? Um, I think that if I'm a believable expert, then people would believe that I'm believable in my real life. If I'm good enough at they, convincing they you They would that. believe that. The people that witnessed you as an expert believe that you're believable in your real life if you were a believable expert. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that you would be believable to your friends. I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> what about us? Oh, yeah, that's true. Camille is my friend, too. Am I believable, Camille? <laughs> I believe you. I think you're very believable. Well, thank you. This took a weird turn. Yeah, it's the actual podcast. I mean, what are we talking about today? I mean, allegedly, this podcast is still about guns. So we should probably go back to why we've raised this question because Ashley's been, well, can I say that? Yeah. I don't know. Should I say that? You should yeah. say it. Um, well, I mean, it, it's multiple things. And this isn't even what we're talking about today. But guess what? Today we start with a tangent and then we tell you what our episode's about. Um, but no, I mean, like, when I testified in front of Congress, which Danny, which Danny can tell you, I like to say as often as possible, you know, I rolled in in hot pink or uh, like a pale pink suit and like these crazy high Louboutin heels with like flowers on them and my hair extensions. And I looked around the room and learned that everybody wears blue or black on the hill. And I was like, oh my God, I'm Elle Woods. Like, <laughs> Will any of these people actually take me seriously? And then on top of that, when you are looking at like um, my testimony, you know, I wrote this really long testimony that I submitted to the politicians the day before, but nobody sees that. I get five minutes to convince you of my argument. But then when the Republicans, senators were, you know, doing their five minutes, which comes before my five minutes, they were using my information, which is great for their five minutes. But as a result, I had to totally wing a five minute prepared thing because I there were so many things within my prepared statement that would have been the same thing that they said. And I was like, when you look at me, if you hear me saying the same thing that these senators have said first, I believe that the perception would be that I'm just like there as a girl you know, to show a different face to guns. I feel like there's that level of it. And then there's also like, I, sometimes I feel like when we were doing Master of Arms, for example, like I was trying to be funny and me and they were like, you're America's sweetheart. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not, you know? And so, I, <laughs> yeah, it was told to me a lot. And I was like, no, you're going in the wrong direction. You know, so then on TV, I feel like, you know, people seem to think that like, maybe I'm not believable enough that I'd be an expert to like, uh, <laughs> I almost said GQ public, which we've talked about in this podcast before, but John Q public. And so this whole conversation was basically in general about do people, would they believe me as an expert if they didn't know me or anything about me before I appeared? For the record, your testimony, I watched your testimony. It was very believable, but I had also already read your report. And so like. Nerd. <laughs> I watched it. I, I had to find freaking C-SPAN that morning. It was a pain, I, but I watched it and you were very believable. So 
online. It's streamed online, yeah. Danny. That's well, how I watched it. So I watched it too while I like hid behind a glass of wine because I was scared at how it all sounded. Because I blacked out. I don't even know what happened. Like I, I had because, to. <laughs> just because everybody on Capitol Hill wears blue and black does not mean that that is the correct option. For the- One time in grad school, my um, the the chair of the department was a military uh, historian and like a real old guy, of course. And um, one day I walked into the office and he was like, I did independent studies with him. He was great. We knew each other really well. But one day I walked into the office and he came out and he was like, my God, woman, do you own a pair of pants? <laughs> Which I guess in today's culture would be considered bad. But like, you don't know our relationship, but it was hilarious. <laughs> Because I did not at the time, and I did definitely did not dress appropriately for my stature. So, so anyways, to get back to the, the what was supposed to be the point of the episode is the question about Ashley's unbelievability <laughs> is really an idea about scholarship. Because we talked about how like you wrote this report and like. Then the Congress people like picked out snippets they could use for their sound bites, meaning you had to adjust your sound bite. And I think it gets to the idea of there's like the, there's this big hearing, and I think this is true for gun stuff more widely than just this specific hearing. But do people actually do people really want the scholarship? Like they mind it for their sound bites, and that's great for them. But beyond that, they just sort of let it fall. Like there wasn't a lot of usefulness after the sound bites were collected and i think that's also true of like gun knowledge in general like we all like and we've talked about this problem a lot about how a lot of gun scholarship is mostly sort of amateur historians some of it's done very well some of it's not so done done so well but at the end of the day do people even really want that level of scholarship or is it just sort of like they're they want like a basic fact and then move on. Adding on to that layer is when people start to cherry pick our scholarship and actually use it, does it make it more difficult for people to believe us in general? Because they'll be like, oh no, the NRA said that. You know? And it'd be like, no, it was our scholarship. <laughs> you know, I swear. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been difficult. And I know we've talked about this a lot before about the lack of academic research or the availability of academic research on firearms that's not inherently biased or political. And the difficulty, which I know I've talked about a lot before is that if you are a staffer or someone doing low level research for a high level individual, you know, you've got to go with the low hanging fruit, you know, the stuff that's readily accessible and the stuff that is deemed, you know, in a person, in the country's perspective, no perception that the scholarship is good scholarship and peer review is the way that people actually do that. And so when you're someone trying to gather that research, then you don't know what's right or wrong. So you're going to go with your academic scholarship and then there it is. And then that's what ultimately gets turned into policy, um, you know, policy, media, whatever. Um, But the thing that's a big issue for me and is really disappointing is that we have people now all over the country, uh, professors, uh, you know, I'm forming a research center in the University of Wyoming. We've got people like us, museum professionals that are saying like, hey, it's not our job to make a decision for you on how you feel about this, but please, please let us provide you with more context before you go and, you know, make your grand declaration. And it gets frustrating when you feel like you're putting yourself out there and you have friends that are scholars that have so much good research. And it seems like 
to some extent, neither side wants it. Um, but you know, it's just a frustrating thing of do people really want the information or are they just, are they looking for confirmation bias so that they can go and do what they were planning to do the whole time? Yeah. And like you said, I mean, there's the, you know, we've complained about the lack of good scholarship, but it, in general, I would say it's right. Like the trend is rising, like the quality and quantity of academic research on firearms is rising. Um, so there's more people doing it. There's more um, varied topics in it. You can learn more about, you know, the, the, anything from like a really obscure gun to sociology around firearms more than you ever had access to, uh, even in like the last 10 years, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but it does still seem like the demand hasn't quite caught up. And, you know, just to give like low level examples of this, and I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, you're, we're talking policy a little bit, but like a low level example to me is like, People will email the museum with a question. And I mean, they did this when you were there. They do it all the time. They will do it till the end of time. But they send a question in and it's like something that I could go super in-depth on or get really high quality research on or find find an information out. And really all they're looking for is like, this is a cool gun that's worth some money. Like, and they, they just want enough to say this is a cool thing because I want to get a nice value on it when I go to sell it to whoever. And they're not necessarily looking for, you know, the the history of the gun or why it's, you know, they're not, they're just looking for that like real surface level answer about this item's background. And I think that happens at a policy level too. It's like, like you said, confirmation bias. I, I want to believe this and I just need to find that one snippet that has a .edu at the end of it and then we're good to go. Or like when I did testify and Senator Blumenthal came up and spoke to me before and afterwards and it clearly read my report and, you know, I would have been available to continue that conversation with him. And it didn't matter because at the end of the like the hearing, he was like, and that is why I'm pushing forward the ghost gun, whatever, 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 you know, and it was like, why did we even why are we even here if like you really weren't here to hear us <laughs> right yeah it's, it's just you were going to do this anyway so why did we spend a bunch of money to do it like to put a show on for everybody yeah they didn't spend a lot of money but <laughs> but they brought but us all out and they spent a lot of time and it's like almost like you know it's sometimes it feels like a circus so you have let voices be heard but you don't actually want to have a discussion on the scholarship which is a real bummer i think you know and, and i know i've said this many of these things before, but like, I've had a lot of friends that don't like guns and, you know, they feel comfortable to come and ask me questions about guns. Cause I don't, you know, jump down their throats, but at the same time, I mean, everybody should be kind of irritated because if you want to reduce crime or you want to reduce gun deaths, then I would want to have as much information as possible and not just, you know, go with the people that confirm what I already thought. And I don't know, it just disappoints Well, there's me. a, there's a, a few people have written on this kind of topic and one of them is open source defense, which to our listeners that are looking for a good blog or an interesting blog to read. Um, that's one worth reading about firearms, but they've written one about, or they've written multiple times, I guess I should say about this idea. So it's not me originally thinking this, but I, it did resonate with me in that there we've sort of set up the system where we identify what's like, in the in-group or what's in the box, so to speak, of what you are like, if you're pro-gun, then there are certain things that are in that box that you're supposed to think. 
And if the evidence points to something else, you kind of drop it away and find something that does support what's in the box already. And you're worried more about the what's in the box, Danny. <laughs> you're worried more about like the predetermined list of like talking points and aligning with those and bringing everything back to those than really thinking through the issue critically. Like, and I use the program side, so I wouldn't seem too biased here, but like, I think it's true that we we're setting up these, and this is to get more political rather than historical, like I talked about earlier, but we set up a sort of a list of approved bullet points. And that can be for the political debate that can be uh, for the history of a given um, firearm, like the approved bullet point for the Carcano is that one of them shot JFK, and that is the extent of their existence. Um, or, and like you- I mean, but like, is there more existence? <laughs> And so like, those are the bullet points about that thing. And we don't dive any deeper. And like, we just talk about those things and we don't really critically examine any part of it. And that's probably a poor representation of what the authors on the blog wrote. But um, it is this idea that like, we're just sort of confirming a set of predetermined points um, rather than really critically engaging with, with any kind of substantive, you know, research or depth of thought on it. I wanted to point out, and I can't, I'm trying to find the link to it, but there is one, there's a positive that has come out of this that maybe sometimes makes me think that there could be more knowledge getting out there. Is that, Remember, Danny, I don't know if you saw it. Camille, I don't know if it affected your work, but some source that puts out like to the media how to talk about firearms and different things, updated terminology for assault weapons and assault rifles and semi-automatics that was actually really good. Uh, I'm trying to find it on my thing oh my thing oh being facebook um because yeah there was actually like a change in the way that and i i'll find it but so it'll be too late um but it was a, it was basically this big index of how to talk about certain topics um and it actually modified and clarified a lot of the terminology and was advocating that journalists actually use these terms rather than these terms because they mislead and so that was pretty cool to see that there is some of that moving around but um i want there to be more i want people to call us we're here i mean i don't like talking to people either unless it's about this topic and then i i will talk your ear off ask the producer for cnn that called me that just wanted like a little history <laughs> on firearms legislation and i like literally talked for an hour and a half without breathing and then realized that it was like six o'clock eastern time and i had i had kept that poor man on the phone for a very long time so maybe that's why people don't want to hear the scholarship because they're like get that ashley started and she's just never stopping i can't think of like the number of times where like i've been on a tour or something right and this again to go back to the sort of the low level kind of history and like the number of times that people will ask me a question on the tour and then I just go start talking. And then it's like this, you know, five minutes later, this is not the answer they wanted. They wanted, Oh yeah, it was used like this done next thing. And I'm, you know, down the nuance trail and. And we lost our, yeah, we lose, we lose our audience. Right. I've lost them. Eyes glazed over. How are we getting out of this? How do we have to, what do we got to do to quit talking to this weirdo? Although I do have to say that I appreciate when I'm on the phone with like, um, like producers and journalists and stuff. And you just hear like, tap, 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 tap,
<laughs> with me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but I can't stop. But it is, it's almost, and again, thinking in the inquiry line, like it's almost an art form to think of ways to answer. What are they, what did they ask you? What is your like natural answer? And then what is the answer you want to like, what are they actually looking for as the answer? Um, this happens a lot in like our office inquiries when people walk in, cause they're not they're like, they'll ask for something that they saw at the museum a long, long time ago. And they'll ask for it, you know, really incorrectly. And then you have to kind of jump to where, where they are um, without like getting too down in the weeds, but like um, we'll come in something like ask for something on display. It's just like, Hey, I saw this here, you know, a, a million years ago and you guys had it and it was front and center. And like, do you mean this over here? That's not at all related. Cause I'm taking a guess. But uh, I found it. If anyone would the like resource. to hear it. Yeah. It's the associated press style tip. Um, from July, 2022. And it was the term semi-automatic rifle, assault rifle and assault weapon. And it said the preferred term for a rifle that fires one bullet each time the trigger is pulled and automatically reloads for a subsequent shot is a semi-automatic rifle. An automatic rifle continuously fires rounds if the trigger is depressed and until its ammunition is exhausted. Avoid assault rifle and assault weapon, which are highly politicized terms that generally refer to AR or AK style rifle rifles designed for the civilian market but convey little meaning about the actual functions of the weapon. Oh, it was pretty nice to see. That's a pretty good guide from AP. I mean, there will probably be people that would disagree with assault rifle, but assault <laughs> like weapon. me, but whatever. <laughs> like, like the person reading it, but whatever. It's like me who will talk about it all day long being a actual historical term. But, but that's the other thing though, that I would love for someone to listen to our scholarship because somebody actually has to dissect it and like create something that's like digestible right. for people, which like, I guess that gets back to talking points, but you know, it's the talking points are almost like there first and we have research to back it up second. Whereas something like this seems like there's the research first and then they've, you know, summarized it's second. Well, just like in any, in almost any topic, there's like a, a positive and a negative way. Like the negative way is what we've talked about so far, right? Is that, like your testimony for some sound bites, threw them in there and didn't care as soon as the cameras were turned off. Whereas, you know, something like that style guide being like, here's these terms distilled from a lot of research. And here's a way to talk about these things in a less, you know, politicized or charged way. Uh, and so use them like this. And that's something informed down and in, in a much sort of the, the other half of the coin, because there's always going to have to be some level of distillation from like, academic research to lay you know publication that that always gq public G, gq to gq public and that there's like you said there's a positive way and a negative way even if we would quibble with the end result you know you would sit down and publish an article what is an assault rifle and you have very technical you know definition of it and this is why you use assault rifle and not assault weapon and back and forth and they didn't really perfectly follow it but they just were like we're not using either call it a semi-auto or call it an automatic depending on actual functionality which is a, even if we don't necessarily love how they use assault rifle it's still a step in the in a positive direction because they're going back to like in some ways they're getting more clear right because semi-auto automatic here's really clear definitions of each that don't necessarily rely on the legal terms that mix everything up or any of that 
Yes. <laughs> no, that was a good summary. And I was like, I don't have anything to add. That seemed, no, that was a good summary. Thank you. I, I would like to, since my brain shut off for a second, I would like to give a shout out to Camila because she's a really good journalist that does ask all of us for information. But of course, she also is our producer. So like, we're pretty accessible. <laughs> We're also you saying that to me. make sure she stays our producer. Well, yeah, you. Pre- I actually appreciate you always answer all of my random gun questions. I yeah, because didn't you text us like a week or two ago about something? Yes, and- I did about like the definition. I think it was the definition of an um, an assault weapon was what I, I think it was too. And I was like, but it wasn't. Even, it wasn't even for a journalistic thing. It was just like my sister-in-law was like talking about something about assault weapons and I was like well I know that there is something like I was just like I know that there's a lot of people who think that we uh media is using assault weapons the wrong way because the definition means something else let me talk to Ashley <laughs> I know when you sent me that text I was literally like I have been preparing my entire life for this, <laughs> well, I this is three you little typing bubbles forever. About it. so I like knew I was like she got it <laughs> And we appreciated it. They were like, oh, okay. So, Camila, how do you think, like, as someone in the media, as a journalist, I mean, how do we get this information? Like, how do people know we exist enough to get this information out there? Like, meaning you and Danny? I mean, like, all, like, everyone, like David Yamane and George Moxery and, like, I don't know, that was, like, three... That was like two people, but I mean, the, the different professors and stuff, the people that do know the scholarship, I mean, other than like a Google search for something random and having to seek us out, um, you know, how, how would you go about finding somebody and actually getting the information that you need? Well, I mean, I think that, and this is a problem with journalism in general, and I don't really know how to fix it is that a lot of times we are under t- tight deadlines. So we go for something that is easy. And those are the people who have either you know, talk to the media a lot in the past or have um, a really like obvious title that it makes sense, like that connects with what we're trying to work on. So, I mean, I, I don't want to like flip it back on you, but in a way I do think it's like, if you want to get that out, like you need to reach out to the journalists who you think need to cover it. I just think we build the history unloaded empire until we're too large to be ignored. And all hey, we have more than we have like 150 on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? We so do? Like, follow the just Crazy. the podcast itself. That's Thanks, awesome. Guys. We I really guess appreciate I it. Again. <laughs> Shout out to all 150 our social media manager. <laughs> well, and I mean, not to make a plug for what I'm doing, but I'm going to make a plug for what I'm doing. I mean, the one thing we're trying to do with the University of Wyoming's Firearms Research Center is we are creating a website that will aggregate scholarship and hopefully people, you know, it's, it's a website for the public. It's a website for politicians. It's the, a website for lawyers. It's a website for media. So I'm hoping that when, if more organizations can like aggregate the information that's coming from a university or a, you know, non-politically affiliated source that there's more discussion and can be more discussion, I hope, but sometimes I feel like just nobody cares. Sad, Ashley. That was one of the saddest faces I've seen you make in our long history of friendship. It is true. It's sad. I just want to help. <laughs> Let me help. 
I don't have a follow-up to that. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I don't have the, the keys to unlock that door for you to be like, all right, now everybody's listening to Ashley. I, as much as I would like to make that happen, I do not have that in my power. I can just sit here and answer your questions on the podcast and give you terrible intros. But Danny has the power because he's the creator of the Cody Firearms Museum. Nobody listens to us either. Like... <laughs> I mean, come on, we're out in Northwest Wyoming and like we have our audience and people, people love the museum. People like coming to visit us, but like trying to even get other museums to pay attention to what we have to say about firearms or history is kind of a waste, not a waste. It's kind of like when people like when something happens in the world and like when I was curator and I know you've had it um, where people are like, oh, is the media calling you nonstop? Oh, everybody asks anytime there's you know, anytime there's some tragedy or anytime there's like, even just everybody's like, Hey, is our people, people are calling the museum, aren't they? They're like, yeah, I bet you're getting a lot of questions about this or like, what are you going to do about it? And it's like, uh, exactly. No one has called me <laughs> exactly. Exactly. None have, have called me. You calling me about people calling me is the first call I've got. Oh, it's so sad. Um, so I guess, you know, we've been rambling about this for a really long time, but I guess the, the, what, I don't know, what are the takeaways, Danny? Uh, the takeaway takeaways are Ashley's phone number is. Ooh, freaky. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure anybody could get it. My email is the gun code at gmail.com. You can email me because I'm a millennial that doesn't talk on the phone. So. Unless I call. Yeah, we do talk about like Danny and I'll talk on the phone for like hours. But other than that, we don't and, talk. And other than that, I don't have any friends. <laughs> In summation. In summation. Low number of friends, one email source, and <laughs> call sometime. You don't call. Email. Email. Email we just set up a call. Um, oh my God, my face up. hurts. It's <laughs> so hard. Uh, but no, I mean, the, I guess the, the real the real actual summary of this is that scholarship is really important, but we need to find better ways to disseminate that scholarship. And I want to get a better sense of anyone really cares to hear what we have to say or what anybody has to say, not just us, um, because it seems like information is becoming more available, but yet the same points and the same things keep getting batted around, even though there's no real change that happens. So it's just kind of a sad exercise that Danny and I talk about a lot, but we thought we'd share a little bit of it with you. And I would like to end on a final question. Oh, I was going to, uh, you go and then I have a. I don't know if you do. Are you trying to like one up? That my one final felt a question? little bit depressing for our audience. So I wanted to end oh, on a positive. Form. You end on a positive and then I'll ask my question like you normally okay. do on the podcast. Got it. Got it. Got it. If that ending was too sad for you guys. We love all of our followers. Thank you very much. We we know you listen to, to us. Okay, so my question. Is Danny believable? Am I? Ooh. <laughs> Danny just put, did the uh, Macaulay Culkin uh, <laughs> Home Alone face. <laughs> so I had a teacher in, this would have been in middle school. Said he didn't trust me because he said I always look guilty. And then he didn't know when I he said it worked in my favor because he didn't know when I was actually guilty. Because he was just like, You're always look guilty. So I can't actually suspect you when you look guilty when something's happened, because that's just how you look. 
So to him, I don't think I was believable because I looked guilty all the time. I'm just realizing that we also had this conversation with a phone call you had to make when you were the assistant curator. And he, I was like, I'm going to be on the call because you're going to sound guilty. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> like, so I, I think in summation, no, Danny is not believable. But you should be believable because you got all the things going for you. You're and white I'm also and tall. a guy and tall. <laughs> tall, I w- I'm going to go on. Tall is an underrated privilege. <laughs> is it really? Oh, yeah. I would think that like being tall would mean that like you couldn't walk through certain doorways and like you can't sleep on a plane. That That is true. I can't. It's really hard to sleep on planes, but I can reach almost anything and I don't know what it is, but people, I think because they naturally have to look up to you. This is totally bunk psychology, so do not listen to a word of it, but they have to look up to you. So it's like, then their psyche is also looking up to you and they trust you. Kids don't know what to do with all people. Kids don't trust me at all, which is, <laughs> kids just I think they're just afraid of me because I'm tall. So I don't know if we determined if you were believable or <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe me talking around the issue is also unbelievable because I'm avoiding the question. <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that that's our answer <laughs> we should end on that all right thanks for listening y'all we really appreciate it and we'll be back next week with another episode mm-hmm.